Well, it's good to be back with you, uh, church. As you know, uh, Pastor Stephanie has been preaching for uh, many, many weeks now. I've got to sit in this front row here, and I put my feet up on the stage. You can't see, but I can see, right? And I uh, relaxed during that time, so it's good to be um, back and preaching with you. We're thankful for Pastor Stephanie, who has been uh, so gifted, so good uh, in these uh, past days as she has uh, shared the word with us. So it's good to be up here, um, but uh, it's good to hear her as well. But uh, every time I do uh, premarital counseling, I usually talk about a couple things first. And the first thing I talk about is forgiveness. Um, Because if you know anything about marriage or anything about um, being married, or if you've ever been married, or you saw marriage on TV one time, you know that you're going to need to ask for forgiveness at some point, right? And we talk about asking for forgiveness, not like, I'm sorry, get over it, roll over and go to sleep, but like, will you forgive me? Like intense forgiveness, because we need to know that, right? Because I have become so good, right? And then my wife would say, yeah, I've become, I've become so good at trying to ask for forgiveness. Let's say I'm working on it, right? And then we talk about the idea that we need to, uh, we need to learn how to, to to extend forgiveness and to forgive and to and to have that in our lives. And those are the first two things because marriage is difficult. And then we start to work in and to ask questions about our relationship and we move into different marriage models. I've got a slide for you to hear today and it's got three uh, different uh, three different letters on it. And these are three different marriage models. And I, if, I want you to, to pretend that the long parts of the, the, the alphabet are people, right? So we've got the A-frame model of marriage. Um, and this is one where um, it, it, everything's like all about the other person and you completely rely on one another and there's no separation. I talk about this like a high school, um, like your high school boyfriend or your high school girlfriend where you, sorry, high schoolers, where you lose all of your other friends because you're so infatuated. Can I get a hand on how many people had a relationship like that so I feel better about my life? Okay, thank you. Yeah, so, and they're not, and they're not good, right? They, they, they don't turn out to be too good because you lose all your friends because you're all so focused. But then what happens is when we get married when we're like this and we have no friends, we have no support system. When one of us falls, the other falls, right? We have nothing else. We have nobody else. Like, that's it. Like, and we, we watch uh, many people on Facebook, like, you are my world and you are my everything. And that's like a first sign of, of this, right? And then we go to the H frame. And I talked about this as like the roommate model. Like, I'm here and you're there. And we kind of like interact every once in a while, like take me to dinner sometimes or, and, and whatever, like if I'm doing bad, then you don't really notice cause it's not that bad. And you just keep going on with stuff. And if you're doing bad, I don't really notice cause we just, we just go on and I'm just here and we kind of connect every once in a while. And that's a very common thing. And it's very, very easy. So don't feel any condemnation this morning. It's very, very easy to slip into this. In fact, I don't think we stay with one or the other. I think we move and kind of correct and overcorrect at times um, during our marriage. And then the last one we talk about is the M frame. And that's this fancy word called interdependence. And the M frame is like, I'm a, I'm a big boy and you're a big girl and, and, and we can do life on our own. Like I can pay the bills and I'm a functioning adult, but I choose to do life with you. Right? Like I choose to meet you in the middle. I choose to rely on you at times. I choose to, 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 to come to you at times. I choose to care for you at times. And it's interdependence. I could do life on my own, but I choose to do life with you. 
And so when one falls, the other one's there to help and to, and to support and, and, and to love and, and to be generous. And, and so it's a, it's a good model for marriage. Now, I don't care if I've done this one time or a hundred times. Even the first time I did it, I thought to myself, this is models of not only marriage, this is models of the church, right? This is, this is how many churches are. There's an A-frame, and this is like, I even know some churches that teach this, they preach this. Everything else in the world is bad, everything, and this, you're all I have, right? Like, this is it. We just need to hunker down, and we're going to protect our kids, and it's like this, this frame and this mindset, and all that we have is good, and we are right, and this is us. Everybody else is wrong. We don't have any more friends. You see the friends. We lose all of our friends model. Like, this is it. It's like the high school relationship, and then there's the H frame is uh, we just come to church, and we have a good service, and we go home, and we'll just see you later, right? Like, if you're hurting, I don't really, whatever, we're good. You just keep moving with life, and that'll be awesome, right? And then there's this interdependence uh, that, that happens in the church where, where I can do life on my own. I'm a big boy, and you're a big girl, and you're a big boy, and you're a big girl, but we choose to do life together. And incredible things happen when people choose to do life together, and they choose to live life together. So today, as we open up a couple of weeks, as we talk about our core values um, as a church, we're going to be talking about um, one today that, that I love, and it's this idea that we are better together, that we are people that are better together. People need people. We talk about this idea of radical hospitality and truly believe that we need each other. We, we know if we look in the Bible, uh, we look in the Bible, we're going to see this over and over and over again in God's account and uh, God's saving action in our world. We're confronted by this over and over and over again. We, we look all the way in the beginning in Genesis. God creates the world and he stands back and he says, yeah, good, yes, it is good, right? We have to remember this at times because our minds automatically go to what is bad. So we remember that God stays back and he says it is good and he, he creates all, the, all these things and all this stuff and the birds and, and we do that in the, in the Jesus storybook Bible with Jojo and it's awesome every time. And, and then God formed man and God placed him in a garden to take care of it and God gives him one rule. I like to emphasize the one rule in the, in the garden. And then everything is good. And then Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, it says, The Lord God said, It is not good. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And so right here, like right in the very beginning, right in the early stages, we are confronted um, with this idea. We are confronted with this truth from God, this word of the Lord, that it is not good for man to be alone. We are better together and people need people. And we move on to the New Testament. And again and again, like you just can't get out of it. Like, yeah, like you ever not want to see something and then you see it all the time. Like this is one of those things that you're just not going to escape. 96 word pictures, 96 things that, 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 that point us to this idea of, of community, of the people of God, the, the, the people of God, the bride of Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the umbrella for them all is the body of Christ that we need each other. 
that God created us to work together to be interdependent. And we're going to find in life, this is important, we're going to find in life that it is impossible, it is impossible for me as an individual to accomplish God's purposes on my own. It is impossible for me as an individual to accomplish God's purposes on my own. I need others. I need the body of Christ. I need the people of God. I need the community of God to fulfill God's calling on my life. Now, I'm also uh, semi-halfway smart enough um, to know that this is a point where we get uh, congregational blocks when you're like a nerdy preacher, you think about these things all the time. And this idea of a congregational block is when I say something and then I try to gauge how you hear it, right? So when I say uh, this idea that, that, that we can't accomplish the purposes of God alone, or when I say we are people that need, that word need is pretty important, uh, I, I try to imagine what you're thinking. And if you're anything like me, you're thinking, no, like that's nice, right? that's cute, but I'm good, right? I'm all right. And if you're anything like me, you're, you're thinking uh, a couple of these things. But during this time, I, w- I want to show you um, that, that we kind of have like a, a weird thinking about needing one another. We like the idea of needing one another and fulfilling the needs of one another. If you don't believe me, go turn on the news and look at this little place called Texas and watch people travel from near and far and the excitement of brother and sister helping out brother and sister. It's a pretty incredible thing, right? We love the idea of, of, of needing and of helping one another. But when everything's all fixed and the drywall's back on the wall, it won't even be that long. Just give it a couple weeks. And every, no, everyday ordinary life is going to set in where we, we live our independent lives. We, I've been taught over and over and over again that I, I am what I need, right? Like I can do it on my own. Like I can, I can get it done and, and I'm just going to put the work in and it's going to happen. The, the, this is a countercultural idea that we need one another, that we need other pe- people in, in my life. This has been drilled into my mind again and again. I've been taught over and over again through many different ways that being independent is the best way. Right, Like being independent and doing it on your own is the best way. That's what's going to lead to happiness. It's what's going to lead to success. It's what's going to lead to to not needing anything else around you, that you're going to be independent. You're going to be on your own, that you can can do it. Like this, we are a part of the country that was founded on the Declaration of Independence. Good job. This is good, right? Right? We, we know that. We've got like John Wayne the cowboy, and, and we know this. Like, that this, is, this is a part of us, that, that, that we want to drive our own cars and do our own thing and not be tied down and be free and, and have that independence. As JoJo would declare to the world, I can do it my big self, right? I can do it my big self. I can, I can do it on my own. And we are shaped by this again and again and again and again. And while independence does have its perks, it is unfortunately not a part of God's plan. And therefore, 
We are seeing the results of our independence and where they are leading us to places like isolation and loneliness and greed. And to be perfectly honest, the more times I'm independent, the more times I care less about other people. The more times I feel like I can do it on my own, the less I care about those around me and even the less I care about God. If I can do it on my own, then what need is that? We are a people that have been shaped for independence, even though God calls us to be a people of interdependence. And so if you have your Bibles with you today, we're going to read a passage that you've probably heard before. But Romans chapter 12 is where we'll be this morning, uh, starting in verse uh, 3 today. Uh, We're uh, reminded of some pretty important things Here in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 3. Church, hear the word of the Lord this morning. It says this. For by by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. The word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. Do not think of yourself uh, more highly than you ought to. Verse 3, like a great verse to live by, right? Like if you look at that, you automatically think like, like be humble, right? Do good things, like be, be a humble person. Like that, don't look down on, on one another. Don't be the person that, that's up here that says, I'm better than everybody else. Pretty obvious, don't do that. That's not a good thing to do. Don't, don't participate um, in that way. But as I, as I look at this verse, I think it reminds us uh, of something bigger than just don't uh, do that and be humble. I think it reminds us that we are part of something that is bigger than ourselves. It reminds me over and over again that it's not just about me. It's not just that I'm the center of the universe. I'm not to be the one that's looking down on one another. I'm not the one at the highest point. I'm not the one that controls it all. But I'm a part of something that is bigger than myself. It's called the body of Christ. We are, each and every one of us are gifted, not so that we can go and do our own thing, but we are gifted to support the body of Christ. We're gifted to support what God is doing in this world, and we should not think of ourselves as any better than the other because alone we can't do it. Alone we can't do what God has called us to do, that together is where it's at, together is what you are called to. Verse 4 and 5 says, Just as each of us has one body with many members, then these members do not all have all the same function. So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to one another. Not language that we use very often, but this suggests automatically this interdependence that we have to work together, that we both give and receive from the body of Christ. 
Like, I need you and you need me. Pretty awkward, right? I need you. You need turn, turn to your neighbor right now and tell him, you need me. You need me. Like, there's this no doubt about it. You need me, right? That's easy, right? How many of you thought that was easy? That's easy. Like, you need me. How many of you said that this last week? Maybe, right? Now, now here's the hard one. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I need you. Yeah. I can't remember the last time that I've said that, right? Can you? Like, probably the last time I said that was probably like, I just dropped something. Stephanie, I need you to come help me pick it up, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We just don't, we don't say that. that that's vulnerable. Remember we talk about, I've asked you before, when's the last time you, you had this posture? And you say, well, at the end of church, at the benediction, right? Because we're not used to, to receiving. We, we don't do that. That's part of the reason we do the benediction. We have you extend your hands to receive the benediction, the blessing of God as you're scattered out in this world because it shapes us to receive because we don't like to receive. We'd rather give. You need me. It's a little bit more uncomfortable when I, when I ask you and I, and I tell you that I need you. Whether we realize it or not, we do need each other. It's not just because we're weak. So that's just because we go through, through, through things and we just need you. That's one of the things we're going to talk about. But we need each other more importantly because we are wired to need each other. It is not good for man to be alone. God has wired us and shaped us and created us in ways in which that we need one another. That we have to live with one another in community and interdependence in his, fa- in his family and in relationship with one another. That it is impossible to accomplish all of God's purposes without other believers in our lives. Some of us don't believe that, right? We don't believe it at all. In fact, we know other people that don't believe it as well, and they're very vocal. They say, all I need is Jesus in a mountain. Right? Have you heard that? And I'm not saying that you can't go to the mountains to spend time with Jesus because I do that as well. I prefer like a trout stream, right, with fish, right? But you do your, your thing and, and that's it, but, but not in an extreme way. That usually when I, when I talk to people like that, it's like, I don't need anybody else. I don't need the church. I don't need whatever. I'm good. It's just me and Jesus and I'm good and let's roll. I don't think that that's what Jesus calls us to at all in the slightest of deals. In fact, I think it's the the exact opposite. So there's some people that are really vocal, but then there are some of us that aren't vocal. We would never say that. But the way in which we interact and live says that in a certain sense. That, That I can go to church and I'll just go to church and I'll say hi and then we'll just go on. And there's no other interaction. There's no, no other support. There's, there, there's nothing else. I've, I've just come and, and, I'm, and I'm good and then I'm just going to go. Either way, the reality is, is that, that, that when we do this, myself included, I'm not immune to this stuff. When we do this, the body of Christ is weaker. The body of Christ is weaker when Christians live in isolation. And, and, and whatever, whatever our excuses are, 
Some of us have like petty excuses. I've got some too, right? Like uh, so-and-so called me a name and I just don't want to see them anymore or whatever. And then some of us um, have, have real legitimate excuses. Like I've been deeply wounded by the people of the church and, and I don't want to be a part of that anymore. And, and to, to those of us that have those, those, uh, those reasons, like I hear you, brother and sister, like the, this place here is a healing place uh, for me and for my wife as well. I know what it means to be hurt by a church. I know what it means to be hurt by the people uh, of God. But either way, the, the body of Christ it, it loses out when we isolate ourselves, whether we realize it or not, we need each other. And so uh, we, we can't fall into this isolation mode, whether we're vocal or whether we're just passive and non-intentional about the way in which we live. I used to call isolated Christians uh, the Lone Ranger Christians, right? Until last year, Lynn helped me out. He's, I think a couple of you helped me out, but Lynn really helped me out. And he told me, hey, Tom, the Lone Ranger was not alone. I didn't know. I don't watch the Lone Ranger. Right? It just sounds good. Right? The Lone Ranger is not alone. And so I was on, I was, here's a picture of me. Yeah, they got it up right. I was at uh, uh, downtown Boise the other day, and I found the Lone Ranger and his partner, Sam. See, you guys all knew, and you didn't share it with me. Up here looking like an idiot, right? And so, but this is the idea that even the Lone Ranger's got Tonto, right? Even the Lone Ranger isn't alone, because I guarantee the Lone Ranger understands that being alone is not the best way, especially in the cowboy world, right? But the isolated Christian is weaker if he or she doesn't have the support of fellow believers. That's an obvious one. But also the body of Christ is weaker because we can't receive you. Right? If you isolate yourself, the body of Christ is unable to receive you, is unable to love you, is unable to be shaped by you, and unable to participate in life with you. The isolated Christian doesn't serve the body or engage with the body. And it also prevents fellow believers the opportunity to serve and to love them. It's a two-way street. You can't just say, I'm going to isolate myself so I don't burden anybody when it's not a burden. It's a gift. The church is a gift. We need one another to experience the highs and lows of life with. So let's get really practical here. Like life could be oh so good. Like there are times in life where like it is just so good. Like you just have to pinch yourself and wonder if like this is just a long vacation, right? Like life can be good. But then uh, there, there are times where it's not good. But for you, for, for my people here in Church of the Nazarene Mountain Home, I pray that you have a long, peaceful life and you will pass on in your sweet sleep at age 145. That's my prayer for you, right? But that's not reality, right? That's not, that's not the truth. That's not reality. That's not the place in which we live. The reality is that at some place in life, you are going to face a deep, deep valley. And some of us hit these valleys more, more often than others of us, but every one of us is going to heat, uh, meet this deep, deep valley, a crisis that is going to uh, knock you off your feet and, and knock, uh, and knock you off of, of your normal everyday life. 
There's medical complications. There's death. There's debt. There's accidents. There's divorce. There's hurricanes. There's et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on and on and on. A reminder this morning, a, a free tip, is that God didn't, didn't tell us and promise us that life was going to be smooth, easy peasy. In fact, Jesus says that you will be persecuted, the opposite of, of smooth, easy peasy. You will be persecuted for following him. And because this is a reality, because God knows our situation and the places in which we live, he's given us this incredible gift called the, the church. People to walk with us. Romans chapter 12, verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. This is God's way of saying that the people connected is better. That we're better together. That we will live the ups and we will live the downs. I'm always fascinated. I've had um, this conversation in the church for many, many years. And it's not just here. It's everywhere, right? It's a, it's a common thing. And it kind of goes like this. There's a Sunday morning conversation, and there's a handshake, and, it go, and I go, hey, Susie so-and-so. It's always my default anonymous person, Susie so-and-so. Hey, Susie so-and-so, I haven't seen you in a long time. You doing all right? Well, I, I've been gone for six months or nine months or ten years or whatever. You didn't fill in the blank. I've been gone because I've been going through a really, really hard time. And uh, vulnerability in my heart, I have that, that game, I, I forgot the name, what, taboo game. As a kid, when I was a kid, it came with this little buzzer that was super annoying. You guys know what I'm talking about? And you just, when at the end, or when you say something wrong, you just go, Arr! like, that's what I feel, like, every time. Like, not in, like, a mean way, but in, a, like, this could be better way, right? Like, that's the wrong answer, right? Like, why would you, why would you isolate yourself in, in your greatest need? Why would you isolate yourself when, when you could use some encouragement? Why would you isolate yourself when you are, you are hurting and in, in pain? There are some things in our world and in our lives that no one, like absolutely no one should ever walk alone through. There are some things in our lives that come up uh, in many different situations that not one of us ever deserves or ever should walk through them alone. And so every time I isolate myself and every time you isolate yourself from your brothers and sisters, you are, are robbing yourself, first of all, of care and encouragement and support and love that you need. But not only are you robbing yourself, you're robbing others the shaping opportunity to help you and to get out of themselves and to serve you in some other way. It's not just me that loses out. Like if I've got a difficulty or if I've got something serious and I isolate myself and I pull away and I leave and I go and I don't, I don't participate, I don't meet with uh, people, I don't uh, call somebody or I don't you know, just say how I'm really doing rather than the, the fake smile on my face, I'm losing out personally because I don't, I don't receive the love and support that, that I know you'll give. But not only am I losing out, you're losing out as well when I isolate myself because you have no opportunity to give. You have no opportunity to support. 
times in my life where I have been greatly shaped have been the times where I just let go of myself and my problems and my wants and my needs and I serve somebody else, right? Times in my life where I've been shaped the most to become like Jesus are the times where I've taken off my nice robe and I've got on the, on the floor and washed somebody else's feet. Like not literally, but you know. These are times where we are shaped, and so the ways in which we interact as a family of God, whether we are the person that, 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 that has been hurt or we are the person that, that, that extends Help is important. Church suffers and does not grow because of it. But here's God's plan. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26. If one part suffers, then every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, then every part rejoices with it. If one member suffers, we all suffer together. If one rejoices, we all rejoice. Now, if you would have asked me, eighth grade football if I if I loved to run when Bobby so-and-so did something stupid and the coach made us all run together I would say no right like I didn't love the the the, the being together and suffering together because because one person uh, had a, had a mix-up I didn't love the, the the suffering part but I tell you what I did love I'd love the part at the end of the season when we were a team because we suffered together. I love the part at the end of the season where I was gathered around my, my brothers and they weren't just like, oh, let's just hang out sometime. But they were brothers because we went through the same stuff together. If, if one of us suffered, we all suffered. If one of us rejoiced, we all rejoiced. And it's the same way with the church. Now, we don't just say, bring all your sufferings and we'll have a nice suffering party just for the fun of it. Right? I've been to a couple of those. Those are not fun, Right? We don't do that. We don't just say, I'll just bring your suffering so we can just suffer and that'd be great. We say, bring your suffering so we can love and support and walk together through them because we know the outcome at the other end. We know that Christ has risen, right? We know that, 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 that Christ is not in the grave. We know the outcome at the end, and so we can suffer together and walk through this together because we know that God is going to bring about his, his restoration. We are people that suffer together and rejoice together. If one of us suffers, we all suffer. We are interdependent. We can do life on our own, but we choose to do it together. A truly beautiful plan, uh, one that gets us out of ourselves over and over and over again. One that will shape the entirety of our lives. That moves us to love God and to love people. Well, last year we started uh, an experiment here in the church. We use experiment language here um, because it allows us to try new things without fear, right? Right? So we started this experiment called uh, Life Groups and, and, and this, this idea that, that we want to connect, we want to we wanna live life together, that, that life shaping happens the most, not when we sit in rows, even though life shaping happens here, but life shaping happens the most when we sit in circles and we actually live life together. 
and we eat together and we read scripture together and we pray for one another and we care for one another, that, that life happens there. Now, if we were measuring the success of life groups in our church based on numbers and how many groups we had and all that kind of stuff, then we'd probably say it was a bad experiment. But we weren't. We, we modeled and we, we, we determined the success from our life groups, not based on numbers or anything like that, but our, but our, but our streamlined measuring stick of success were just a couple of different questions. And one of them was, who's planning meals for, for someone when their kid's in the hospital? Or who's having tough conversations with one another? Or who's literally practicing and living out the one another's that we find everywhere in the Bible? Who's loving one another and is excited to come to life group, and not because the cookies are great, but because of the joy they find in Christ-centered relationships? So when we measure it like that, I'd say is the best success all year. As you saw from last week, if you were here last week, uh, multiple people up on the stage saying, well, this is my life group, and I love my life group, and we do this with the life group. Even, uh, even the, the base life group, FaceTiming a person that's out of town to be a part of the life group so she doesn't miss, miss out. And then there's the other life group that's called the greatest life group. I'm not sure. That was never, yeah, that was never like completely, yeah, whatever. The greatest life group that loves each other and they live life together and they, they meet every week because they understand and they are, they are beginning to understand that we are better together, that people need people. And so our whole purpose for this was that we would have a place to love God and to love people, that we would create an environment where we could develop some Christ-centered relationships. Like, we can't make you guys like each other, right? Like, go have a Christ-centered relationship. with one. This is weird. No, but we can bring cookies and couches and help create an environment where that just might happen. So every week our life groups meet and they get this little paper and it's a sermon-based discussion where you just talk about what, 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 what the pastor talked about and you open up scripture and there's three rules. You have to eat together, which is the most important, right? So you have to eat together and then you got to pray together and then you got to open the word together and that's it. Simple, not complicated, not, not, not profound, just living life together. And so this week starts our, our, our week uh, of life group sign up. So in every other chair uh, in front of you should be a life group paper. Um, and if you don't, if there's not one in front of you, there's some out in the, in the lobby there. It's this little thing that looks like this. It says, yes, I'm interested in joining a life group or I'm becoming a life group leader or opening my home as a host because we have some leaders that don't have a place to meet. But if you have a nice couch not even nice couch. My couch is not nice, right? But if you got a place to meet and, and that's what God's gifted you um, with, then, then you could be a, a host. Or the last one, your other alternative is no. I hate eating cookies with friends. Right? <laughs> so if you, we would love for you to fill one of those out because I, I'll tell you this. I know that God is calling us to more. I know that God is calling us to, know, to more. I know because I've been praying that God would call us to more. Because I, I watch and I witness a world and us too 
that struggle and fight and, and, and just need one another. And that's including me. I'm reminded uh, each and every time I, I meet with my group that that is exactly what I needed. I'm an introvert, and there are Mondays when life groups come around. There are Mondays where I would rather uh, go into my room and lock everybody else out. I would even hide. I think there would be points I would hide. But I don't. Because the other part of me knows that, that this is what God has called us to. And so every time, there hasn't been a time yet, there hasn't been a time yet, where I've left, the, the group has left my house, every time I know exactly that that's what I needed. Every single time. So I ask you, in the, in the, in the nature of experiment, try it. Try it to be a part of something, and it doesn't have to be life groups. It can be the divorce care group, or it can be the blessed group, or it can be Wednesday night group, or it can be uh, the Evergreens group. Try something. Find something. Step out in faith, asking God to, to, to bring you in and to invite you to participate in giving of yourself, but also to receive the love of God through this beautiful gift that is called the church. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you. First of all, we thank you that you know best. There may be times where, um, where some of us with this personality scream that we don't need anything else. Lord, we thank you for the reminder through um, these pages of your saving action. This account of your saving action in our world reminds us that we are not alone, that you are with us, that we need you. But it also reminds us through many different uh, scenes and scenarios and images and, and even from your own lips that we need each other, that we weren't meant to just live in isolation on our own. So, Lord, help us to embrace fully the gift of the church, to, to give of ourselves to one another because we belong to one another, but also to receive the grace that is given. Lord, may we be your people here in Mountain Home, Idaho. May you call us together so that we can fulfill your plan and your purpose in, in this place, that we'd be your people and your hands and your feet here and now. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.